It was June 29, 2007 when the iPhone went on sale. We take a look at the launch of the phone and how the tech world was never the same. I'm Oscar Gonzalez filling in for Roger Chang and this is your Daily Charge. Joining us is CNET Editor-at-Large, Ian Sher. Welcome. How are you doing? So let's talk about the iPhone. I I kind of want I kind of want to go over first like where you were the day <laughs> the iPhone dropped. I, so for me, for me for example, I was at a call center job in 2007, and I remember specifically I was at I was at my cubicle, and one guy who who was a part of my team came in. He's like, guys, I got the iPhone. He was so excited. He was so amped up because he's been talking about it for weeks. And I was like, eh, it's just an iPod with the phone. You know, I was happy with my Trail 700 at the time. So I didn't see the big deal for it. But you have a kind of a different story of where you were in 2007. Yes. First off, you are such a crank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, the uh, I mean, there were a lot of people who felt that way. So I was actually at. Apple. I was at the time working Apple retail. Um, Funny story, back in 2005, I was without a job and I was like, well, what, you know, what can I do with my time that I would enjoy? And I like people uh, and I like computers. And so the two naturally seemed to work together. uh, And I ended up staying there for several years as a part timer. And so I was there on launch day. I was one of the first people to actually get to touch an iPhone uh, in the world uh, outside of Apple uh, corporate. And it was quite an interesting experience. You know, my my big thing, I was tasked with actually taking the iPhone out of the store and kind of showing people in the very long lines, (laughs) which we had not experienced really up until that point, um, uh, what it was like, right? So literally, I... I did a lot of the the similar demo that you saw on TV where I was like showing a movie and then I'm like, oh, I'm hungry for sushi. <laughs> and so then showing how the map worked and, and being able to call a sushi place. And back at that time, it was a big deal that a phone could do that. I mean, it seems very normal now, but uh, I think a lot of people forget how unusual the iPhone was when it showed up. Um, by the way, just a quick little funny tidbit that I always bring up. Um, the music that was playing in the background when they finally opened the doors at 5 p.m. Uh, was, of all things, Re- Bohemian Rhapsody. I don't know why, but um, just the thought of people walking in and Galileo, Galileo, Figaro is just something that I will never forget. No, definitely. Well, if, <laughs> you know, we're talking about it 15 years later. And like you said, things have changed with the iPhone. Can you give us a rundown about that first iPhone? How much was it? The features that it had? Because uh, I, I, we we just we look at how advanced they are now in comparison. So give, give us a rundown of that. Yeah. So there was no app store. <laughs> we'll just start there. So all the apps you think of that are not the core iPhone apps other than YouTube were not there. Um, It also was actually much smaller than the iPhones that they sell today. Uh, Holding one in your hands, it's it's kind of a trip because back then it was pretty big, but today it feels tiny. And that just kind of goes to show what we've all gotten used to with these larger phones. It also had an unbelievably slow internet connection. I was using uh, what was commonly called 2.5G, which was basic internet 
uh, over uh, the cellular services. And that was at a time when 3G was out, but the but the chips were not very efficient. So Apple, in an effort to protect battery life, which was very important to them, said, OK, we're going to do 2.5G instead and have the lower quality technology, at least for a year. And then they came out with the iPhone 3G the next year. Uh, so there wasn't even copy paste, right? Cut copy paste was a huge conversation for a very long time. And uh, Android actually had a version of it before Apple, but um, Apple finally kind of came up with one that worked pretty well and became pretty popular. But back then, there was no cut copy paste on the iPhone. Now, in your article, you talk about waiting for the next iPhone moment. What do you mean by that? Yeah, you know, one of the things that really struck me about the iPhone, I, you know, having been there on day one, right, but also having watched all of these kind of moments pass, right, the fifth year, the 10th year, now the 15th, I was wondering, you know, is this a unique product, right? And not so far as, of course, there are other devices that are similar to the iPhone. That's not what I'm talking about. But this moment in time that we had where Steve Jobs got on stage and the whole tech industry kind of had a revelatory moment, right? Where whether you were a supporter or not, <laughs> whether you, you Oscar with your trail or um, you know the people who were just lining up to get the iPhone, this was a moment that really changed the way the tech industry looked at itself and ultimately changed the way we use technology, right? I mean, uh, technology became much more intimate uh, at that moment because these phones started becoming our lifelines to the world, right? They were in our hands or pockets all the time, and they brought with us literally, you know, the sum of human information in our pockets, right? And suddenly debates that would happen at like, you know, around the beer garden about who was in what movie <laughs> and all these things that we used to do. And, you know, it, it would, uh, it, it was all about your memory. Uh, that all went away. <laughs> and now we just pull out our iPhones and Google it. So that that's really, I wanted to know whether or not another moment like that would happen. And I spoke to a lot of experts, uh, a lot of people who were in the room when the iPhone was being designed, uh, people who were in the room when Steve Jobs announced the, uh, the Macintosh, the original in 1984, after that famous Ridley Scott commercial. Uh, and one of the things that kept coming up was, you know, I wanted to understand, like, how do you know you have something special, right? How do you even know you're in a special moment at the time? And it turns out that a lot of people don't, right? It, at that moment, when that thing is announced, it's really like another Tuesday. And, you know, the, the big fans are really into it. And, you know, but let's ignore them for a moment. I'm talking about everyday people or even people who are working in the industry. It doesn't seem that revelatory. But what happens is the reverberations start happening, right? So for, Steve, uh, for uh, Apple inside, uh, for example, I spoke with Tony Fidel, right, the father of the iPod, uh, one of the co-inventors of the iPhone. And he said the moment he noticed that they had something really special on their hands. And you have to think, this guy worked on mobile devices for over a decade, right? He worked on some of the original smartphone ideas, and then he created the iPod. Uh, he said that the moment he realized things were changing was actually like four or five months before release. So, you know, they'd already announced it in January. Here they are now in February, March. Couple, several dozen people are testing it around Apple. And suddenly the amount of email communication was going through the roof. 
And he said, uh, you know, the normally Apple's rhythm through the day was you get in, you have your email, you go to meetings. Sometimes there'd be email in between, but generally there would then be a lot of email at the end. And it was pretty repeatable and pretty regular. But when the iPhone started really changing behavior, suddenly there was emails being sent off in the middle of meetings. The amount of communication was just going up, up, up. And he said, "Woo, this is changing culture. Um, of course, he didn't even see the App Store coming, right? I mean, nobody did. Steve Jobs was against the App Store initially. So, you know, a lot of this stuff is happening afterward. Um, and so that's why, you know, it's actually really interesting. We could be in a moment right now where we are living in another iPhone moment. We don't know it, right? With You name the technology, EVs, or, you know, we could talk about AI or all sorts of other stuff. We don't know. But... At one point, there's going to be that moment where culture shifts and we will all realize it's happening. It's also possible it'll just be a long time from now. We may not get another one of these moments for a while because they are really unusual. And you spoke with Walter Isaacson. He's the author of the Steve Jobs biography. Uh, what did he tell you about what he thought the sort of the next big thing uh, would be? Yeah, so he had a really interesting perspective. And of course, you know, we're talking about one of the people who spent a lot of time with Steve Jobs and 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 very purposefully thought about Steve Jobs the person while he was spending time with him, right? Not just as a friend or a coworker. And what he said is he thinks the future wow moment, right? The will be actually in biotechnology. And, you know, arguably a lot of experts out there say we're already we've had that moment with the coronavirus vaccine, the mRNA vaccine that, that came along through Moderna and Pfizer and others was one of the fastest developed vaccines out there, partially because we'd done all of this research beforehand. Right. And then so it kind of helped. But also when we talk about, you know, you start looking down stories we've written on CNET about CRISPR and all of these other technologies that are coming out of very similar ideas, it, it's potentially could change the way we do. We think of biology and medicine. And that is amazing. So Walter Isaacson thinks that biotechnology will be the next wow moment. Um, and arguably, there are a bunch of other places as well. But that was his perspective. And in the article, you also mentioned Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg. Obviously, he is really pushing for the virtual <laughs> augmented reality, the metaverse. Uh, and he spoke with someone who works in that sector. And they think that this is going to be w the gateway to the iPhone moment, the next one. Yes. So one of the things I thought was interesting is that, you know, as we're talking about this kind of, you know, revelatory moment, one of the things going on in the tech industry is... Uh, Mark Zuckerberg really believes that AR and VR are going to be it. And he is putting billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars toward development of it. And he's been trying now. I mean, look, it, he bought Oculus uh, VR, the, the startup. He bought it back in 2014. Uh, that is a long time ago now. You know, the original Oculus VR headset came out in 2016, right? The consumer version. So we've had quite a while and it still hasn't picked up the way he wanted it to. But a lot of the anecdotal stories inside of Facebook are that he believes this is going to be the next smartphone like moment and he doesn't want to miss it. So what's interesting is that even if we think about all of that and his kind of inability to force that aha uh -huh moment, right? Uh, one of the things that a person who works in this industry told me was, look, you know, 
there's also a possibility that a lot of this technology we're developing is really on the way to whatever supplants the iPhone, right? Maybe it won't be AR or VR that ends up supplanting it. And arguably, if you're a Star Trek nerd, you may remember they have little phones in their hands all the time, right? They've got the tricorders and all that stuff. We're not that far from having it already. So arguably, sci-fi says we may never get rid of the iPhone. But um, he believes that whatever supplants the iPhone probably uses a lot of the technology that AR and VR are developing. And so in a lot of ways, that's pretty cool too, right? You could argue we're halfway to the next wow moment. But honestly, nobody knows. And I think that's the most fascinating part about all of this is that we we really aren't going to know until way afterward whether we're in one of these moments. And that's that's pretty cool. All right. Well, thank you, Ian, for your time. You can check out his stories about Apple at CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge or sign up for direct text messages from Roger by heading to CNET.co slash Daily Charge. And if you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe for the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Oscar Gonzalez. Thanks for listening.